award-winning Tennessee Wildcast is on the air with the latest on hunting, fishing, boating, wildlife watching, and all things outdoors. Make welcome your host, drummer and outdoor expert novice, Jason Harmon. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. We're glad you're tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. I got a fun show for you today, and uh, we have Mr. Wally Aikens with us. He also goes by James, but uh, we're glad to have him. He is recently uh, stepped up a little bit. Yeah, in, he sure has. In a little, his, uh, little promotion. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it'll be fun to, to chat with Wally today and talk a lot of things. But Don's helping me co-host. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for uh, coming back. I know we had Jennifer last week. Yeah, you're... yeah. Sorry I had to be out and miss the governor, but uh, Jennifer Wisniewski did a great job of uh, stepping in, and I appreciate her doing that and uh, and for lining him up to get yeah. Working with his folks to get him out here, but that was great that he was able to spend the time with with you guys and um, you know help help spread the word about the outdoors is still wide open. You know, yeah, yeah. He did a he did a great job. It was a great interview and uh, fun to have him. Yeah, in the studio. So, uh, Wally, how you been? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you for having me this morning. It's yeah, good to be here. So, but yes, I've been doing great. Enjoying the wonderful weather we've had the last few weeks, so it's been Definitely. all good. Been cool, a little cooler at times, then it warms up in the evenings, and right, it's a it's a good time of year. Change of colors and all kinds of fun stuff. Still wearing shorts when I can. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I thought about wearing shorts today, but I didn't. Um, so let's talk about uh, about you a little bit, Wally. Just to let everybody know who you are and and kind of how you got to where you are today. Uh, Assistant Chief of Wildlife now, and uh, you started out. The first place I remember you was at Hawassi, and I don't know if that's where you started or not. Well, it's not. Actually, I started out in Hancock County as a wildlife officer and um, never thought I'd be where I'm at now, you know, when I lived up there in Sneedville, Tennessee, and still got some great friends up there. It's a beautiful place to uh -huh. go up there when I can. Um, but I was an officer there, came to Meigs County as a wildlife officer, mm -hmm. and then to Hawassi Refuge. Okay. So I was at Hawassi, I think, nine years. And that's when we met, of yeah, course, yeah. and then uh, went into private lands, uh, working with as a private lands biologist, and then from there to the regional small game biologist, Region 3, and then I was a program manager for a, a little bit, a year and a half, year and eight months or so, and then recently have promoted into the assistant chief of wildlife position for our division. So this is an honor and a privilege to serve, and it's it's been a, a good career so far, and look forward to the next, however long that'll be, 10 or 12 <laughs> years, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Yeah, I remember, Wally, first time I met you, too, you were in, in Meigs County at the at the refuge, yes. and Dan Hicks brought me by and said, want to introduce you to Wally. You know, he's the guy who keeps his place running, and, <laughs> and sure enough, you know, land management... I kind of equate that to our, our fish hatchery folks. A lot of them live on site. And at that time, you were living yeah. on site at, at Hiawassee and, uh, you know, had a nice place right there on the, That's on right. the, on the land. and uh, Beautiful place, beautiful scenery. Have Hiawassee Island right there. Oh, a lot of man. history and a lot of culture right. as well. So, uh, good place. And, you know, a lands management and our staff, they, they do. That's kind of their, our um, our our crews that really do all the work for right. the agency and you know y'all know this we have several divisions we all share the same mission the same um uh values and of in fisheries and biodiversity and all and the public really sees the wildlife officer as the face of the agency yep. but i 
think the public also looks at our land, our management areas, and kind of, um, you know, they use that as a measuring stick of how well we're doing as an agency, <laughs> and and they yeah. provide a lot of our a lot of hunting opportunity, yep, a lot of bird watching opportunities, a lot of just getting out on the landscape and enjoying the outdoors. So, um, you know, it's kind of a measuring stick for our agency, I think. But our our land management crew, they're the ones, our managers and technicians that do all the work really for right. for TWRA. So And and as I mentioned, you were living on site, so it's hard to it's hard to decide, okay, my my seven and a half or my eight or my fifteen hours for today are over. You know, I'm That's going right. to the and, house. <laughs> well you never did get a, really get away from the job of right. living on that WMA. Oh, I can imagine many weekends you would be off or Sunday afternoon somebody would just be coming by and want to talk and ask questions. Yeah. So, or late evenings. You never got away from the job, really. And um, so, um, you know, that has its good and bad points. Right. But um, but it was fun living down there and a great opportunity to do good things there. So. And whenever I think of that particular refuge, I think of Sandhill Cranes. Mm-hmm. Of course. You know, and the festival that's been going on for so many years. But, uh, you know, that's just been a, a, a boon for a lot of wildlife watchers to come out and uh, and check out the sand hills when they're there and whooping cranes occasionally that's right and, and um you know we have wildlife success stories and and sand hill crane is one of them oh and man yeah tennessee yeah. is not the only partner in that uh, reason for their success you know they they're a migratory bird and live in a lot of different places but in 88 1988 in our waterfowl counts we only had 28 birds was the maximum number Wow. That we counted that year, and now we're counting tens and twenty thousand uh-huh. of those birds during the winter time. So, mm. you know, it's an evolution or a kind of an evolution that's changed over the years, but it has drawn a lot of interest and a lot of, you know, people just come out and just love to watch the birds. So yeah, it's a good thing. Well, you've seen all all sides of it. You've you've been in almost every position I can think of, just working your way up. So you you know the ins and outs. So you're you're in a great position to help. Lead the wildlife division and and uh, well, you know well, doing, good, you. doing good work. Thank you, Jason. I guess it's a sign of my age when you can, <laughs> you know, you have periods of time in your career that you've done different things. So yeah, yeah, it's been a great career so far. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I appreciate you being here with us today, and we're going to jump into a few things. Deer season was one of the things I had on my list to talk about. Um, you know, it's uh, mid October uh, and deer season's going strong uh you gave a presentation at the last commission meeting about uh the august hunt and and you had a few numbers or you had some stats that you could share with us on how the season's going so far so what's going on with that right and in the september commission meeting i did give a little brief update on the august deer hunt or the velvet hunt uh that we call it and the numbers then were 50 to 100 percent higher than what they were in 2019 uh-huh. so now we're three and a half weeks into the archery season, and well, some areas of the state have muzzleloader and gun, but um, so it's holding true. The numbers are 50 to 100 percent higher than this time last year. So we looks think like people it, are getting out. That's right, and our you know our turkey season, the harvest there was extremely high, mm-hmm. higher than normal, and it looks like that's going to be the same case as our deer season. So 
um, what's interesting um, is a lot of the harvest are coming during the days of the week, the Monday through Friday. So it probably is COVID-related. People are at home. They have time to get out right. on the landscape and enjoy the outdoors. So so that's what we're seeing so far. That's good. Yeah. That's good, Deb. I mean, those weekdays were, you know, folks – most of the time we're at the office, you That's know, right. and can't get outdoors. But great to help spread the pressure, you know, through, right. the, through the whole week than just just weekends. That is true. That is true. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, I haven't been out deer hunting yet. I hope to be sometime. I, I don't archery hunt. I used to, but I muzzleload and gun hunt. Yeah. Um, but I'm looking forward to muzzleload season coming up and getting out a few days and trying to harvest a deer. Yeah, those dates for muzzleloader. I wrote those down so we could share them. November seventh through the twentieth. Is the muzzleloader, and then gun opens up November 21st through January 3rd. Now, um, for CWD though, the CWD unit that's different. Uh, November 7th through January 3rd opens the gun season for CWD. That's right. The unit. So, yes. um, what all's going on over there? Anything? Anything you want to point out or talk about that's happening in the unit CWD right now? Well, a lot is going on. Obviously, with CWD, there's a lot of different moving parts at any time of the year, really, year-round. Um, it's not a mandatory check-in in, in this year, but we are still going to be collecting samples. Right. Um, uh, members of TWRA staff from all over the state will be going to Region 1 and helping out mm -hmm. throughout the entire deer season. Um, but that crew, you know, Region 1 staff, they're working extremely hard. Already we've uh, sampled almost 500 deer, for CWD, uh, we've got a hundred or more samples at the lab right now, waiting results. And then each week, we're sending samples to the lab to to test for CWD. So, a lot of things going on. We've had so far this year, um, I think, fifteen positives. Okay. Most of them are in the core area, Fayette and Hardeman County. Um, so, you know, but again, we're we're going to be collecting samples. Not only in unit CWD, but statewide, we have a, a quota, a number of samples we need for each county uh, that we uh, acquire. And if we reach that number, we are 95% sure we will um, find the disease if right. it's there. So, okay. yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's just an ongoing, a lot of things going on over there in Region 1. Well, I know CWDintennessee.com is a great resource that takes you to our website. Um, and I saw an email go out the other day. We are sending the emails out for, for positives or non-detects. Uh, so you'll get an email if you uh, have harvested deer in that area and had a sample taken. Uh, it'll tell you. It'll come back and tell you whether the deer was positive or negative, I guess. And then um, you can also go online, that same website, cwdintennessee.com, and, and there's a list there where you can find your confirmation number. That's good. Give you a little more confidence for, right. for uh, Absolutely. table fair there. Absolutely. So I know that's being updated uh, every week, so that chart yeah. table. And, you know, we have a marketing campaign going on, a digital marketing campaign. So mm -hmm. if you've hunted or harvested a deer over in Region 1, you may be getting some emails or text messages about CWD. Um, we have our next public meeting, the 29th. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, we're going to do that, I guess, Facebook live. Yeah. Yep. 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 So. Yep. So, anyway. Um so oh, I think uh, that covers deer. On, on CWD, I was just going to step back just a sure. second. It was good that, you know, uh, the Wildlife Division, you know, working, uh, made a recommendation to increase the help regarding CWD in the, in the 
years coming forward here. So, so that was good. The commission de- uh, realized that that was a, a need, a huge need, because as you mentioned, so many folks of our folks were coming from all over the state to to accommodate all the extra work that needed to be done during the CWD stuff. Right, absolutely. And, you know, it's great that the commission did recognize the need for more personnel. We're right. going to be able to hire some folks here, in the new, hopefully in the very near future, uh-huh. even get them on the ground going this, this season. But, you know, partners as well, the uh, Department of Agriculture, have also recognized the importance of us trying to tackle this disease as best sure. we know how with the latest science-based research. So, you know, not just TWRA, but a lot of other entities uh, and organizations across the state have, have really helped out with the uh-huh. CWD. So it's a good thing. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's uh, let's transition. I feel like we're staying in West Tennessee today, <laughs> although there are some ducks in Middle Tennessee and some in East. But um, let's jump to duck season. And I wanted to point out something that um, – that uh, Jamie Federson, our waterfowl biologist, uh, shared with me uh, is a, a weekly duck migration forecast that's going to be out. And we're going to share it on our, our social media pages, but it's a, it's a YouTube um, video with some slides. And Dr. Mike Schumer from the Schumer Lab of Conservation and Waterfowl and Wetlands Resources is putting together this weekly podcast. And he kind of forecasts what the ducks are going to be doing oh. and how they're migrating down this way and that kind of thing. So it's a cool listen. Uh, go go listen and go watch. It's also got some little slides, like I said. But we'll share it on our uh, our Facebook and, and uh, social media channels. But go check him out directly. It's pretty cool. So Kind we'll of be, a duck version of a fishing report. Yeah, yeah there yeah. you go. It's a duck report. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, you, Wally, uh, did some uh, I had a presentation at the last commission meeting talking about some of the the properties and how they're coming along and 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 plantings and things like that so just what's the outlook for this this yeah, season of, of course you know duck hunting is big in West Tennessee it's big across the state but a lot of interest in how our WMAs are doing mm-hmm. in region one um, we've the the staff or has really been challenged because of weather events right. this this year. We've had, you know, sometimes 200% above average rainfall in, in some of those areas. So, you know, they've gotten flooded out two, three, and four times this whole year. Their crops have been flooded out. So, you know, they're, 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 they've had to delay in the planting. Mm-hmm. Um in some cases, not being able to plant at all, uh-huh. uh, and, or in some cases, also replant two times or three times, sure. you know, because of rain. So, in areas like the Camden area, we've got great crops. It's probably the best they've had in years in Camden, Kentucky Lake units. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to the lower Obine and, and upper Obine, though, there's probably impacted the most with mm-hmm. rain in general. Those areas have been impacted, you know, two and four times this season. So... Some areas, they've planted corn. They've lost the corn due to flooding. Um, they've come back in with Japanese millet or something like that um, uh, and get a crop, which is a very uh-huh. good food source for ducks. Or they've managed for more soil management areas, and that is the manipulating the water levels to encourage those native plant, uh, that native plant community to respond. And sometimes they even spray or fertilize just native vegetation to uh, to benefit it or to enhance uh-huh. it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a lot more food value in a moist soil unit than sometimes than what we can plant uh-huh. as in a crop of corn or milo or whatever, Japanese millet. So, you know, 
all in all, it's turned out okay, I think. We've got some really good areas and then and then what I'll call good areas because of what we've been able to do and salvage, um, you know, from the flooding, salvage the crop or, or change the crop into something that's beneficial to waterfowl. Yeah. The real foot units have not been really impacted at all. Okay. So, um, you know, they've kind of dodged the rains a little bit, you know, and then we had uh, Hurricane Delta that came mm. through, what, two or three weeks ago. Uh -huh. That even hit them again. So that's, mm. it's just been tough this year. So, so. I, I guess in some cases, water is good for, I mean, water is good for ducks and, and these refuges and, and these areas that we're planting and things like that. But too much water can be a problem. That's right. That's right. And even, you know, the crews have been kind of opportunistic areas they normally well, would have to pump or divert water through gravity flow system. They would they shut their gates on Delta Hurricane Delta and just caught water. You know uh -huh. the crops had already made in, in some cases, so it can be good if you can get ahead of it in management, <laughs> but it can be bad. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, a lot of moving parts with that with that business, man. I tell you, it it's got to be disheartening too for the guys when they're out there and they've planted uh, it three or four times, and then here it comes and washes it away. Again. Yeah, and let's do not think about what it costs per duck to, oh, yeah. to right, uh, right. do the management for it. <laughs> Just don't go there. But, but, yes, it is frustrating when you've got a good-looking crop or the beginning of a good-looking crop, and then it gets flooded out. It's yeah. tough. So. And that goes back to our property managers and our technicians and yep. all those guys that are working hard. And they're working probably double time over there in some cases. I, absolutely. Yeah. And, and we're short-staffed in Region 1 right now, and – uh, those guys and girls are working two and three times, you know, or two or three different hats they're wearing yeah, a, yeah. a day. So it's it's a, in region one, they're really getting it right now. They're working hard over uh -huh. there. So yeah, well, uh, keep at it. Keep doing good work, guys out there. Yeah. I know y'all are, and we appreciate y'all stepping it up for us. Uh, and the sportsmen and women of Tennessee appreciate it. Um, Bob White Quail. We've been getting a few questions and comments on social media about bob white and uh and i know we have some focus areas and things going on but there's a new project coming out tell us about the new project and what all's happening around quail and uh, people may not think we're doing anything but we are we're, there's some stuff going on absolutely and 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 i'm glad to really talk about this species because it's kind of my passion and mm -hmm. yeah you worked a lot quail, with it. yeah quail and grouse and mm. you know yes I, there's a lot of people that's been frustrated with the agency of, of what we have or have not done for quail over the years. And, um, you know, in a lot of cases, we have not had to do anything for quail until, the say, the 80s, 1980s. We've had strong populations of birds in Tennessee, and we didn't have to do quail management so much. They were um, the, Those populations were able to maintain themselves. But since then, they have dropped dramatically, and not only in Tennessee, but... Uh, range-wide of the bobwhite from North, New Jersey to Texas. So, mm. you know, a lot of states are working together to benefit these birds. And here in Tennessee, we, you know, we have strong partnerships with Quail Forever at the state level and also at local chapters. The Chattanooga chapter has been very uh, strong and supportive as well as uh, the chapters in Blount County, Smoky Mountain chapter. So, and I hate to even mention one or two because I'm going to leave them out. So right. all the yeah. local chapters are, are really helping us. But uh, part of this partnership um, is a new research pro project that we are going to hopefully start this winter. Um, and as a side note, you know, quail are probably one of the most um, 
well-researched animal we have in the state of ten, uh, in, in the nation, really. Mm -hmm. But in Tennessee, we've never had a radio telemetry study of quail on a year-round basis. The late 80s and early 90s, we did have some te telemetry work going on on quail, but just during the nesting season. So this upcoming research is to uh, radio tag birds at three different areas across the state um, and track these birds on a year-round basis, so a weekly uh -huh. on a year-round basis. Mm. So the intent of the study is to really find out where these birds are going where they're dying, uh -huh. where they're living and where they, they are dying, and then make some habitat management recommendations and implement those management recommendations and then see the response of birds. So it will be a five-year study, um, but it should give us this uh, knowledge base that we just don't have, and you uh -huh. think we would, but we just do not have it in Tennessee. There's been similar research as this, but in other parts of the country, and in other systems like pine systems, and most of us in Tennessee on our quail focus areas, that is, we do have pine systems, but most of it is in a hardwood system, right? Um, where we've harvested timber and and cleared the the land for early successional. So, you know, we're going to get some valuable information. We do have four quail focus areas in the state. Uh, Wolf River in West Tennessee is our MBCI, the Nas uh, Northern Bobwhite Conservation Initiative area. It's mm. a nationally recognized area. Um, but, in you know, the study will go on there at Bridgestone Firestone in uh -huh. Region 3, which uh -huh. is potential to be a great area. We have quail there now. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. um, we're trying to boost those populations. And then also at Kiker Bottoms in Blount County. And... Uh, the manager there has managed for quail. He's maintained a population probably the highest in the state for 20 years. So, you know, using what, especially what they're doing at Kiker Bottoms, try to translate it to other areas in the state, you know, we should be able to do some of that stuff. And, and you know, also, too, a concerning thing for me is we've, we've been doing a lot of quail work, especially mm -hmm. at Bridgestone and Wolf River. And we're just now starting to see the response, which has been longer than what you would think it's not overnight for that's sure, right is it? that's right but so this research would also tell us is there something we're missing is uh -huh. it something you know like i said how are they dying is it during the stress time of winter time or late summer which is also a stress period or is it predation or is it you know what is it right. so that's what um we're hoping to get this knowledge and looking forward to what it will do with oh, our quail good. program good are um, these uh these telemetry packs are they similar to the duck uh, backpack they are yeah okay. you strap them on the back we're looking to try to catch at least 30 per study site mm -hmm. uh, which is a pretty big endeavor i mean it's going to take a lot of man hours just to catch that many uh -huh. birds and uh then start telemetry you yeah. know we'll be trapping this winter hopefully and and starting telemetry right after that so you're, you're on those focus areas trapping those birds uh, and then you learn uh, you learn what you need to learn, but are you are you going to implement that on those properties or start implementing that on other WMAs well, and things at, like that? Well, at first on these properties okay. so we can watch these birds. They have a very small home range, mm -hmm. so they're not going to leave another or a particular piece of property a great distance anyway. Right. So we will be implementing the management practices on the WMA, but then hopefully we can translate that to private land surrounding that WMA for that immigration and emigration of birds back and forth you awesome. know so cool yeah it sounds like fun yeah that'd be yeah. a fun little video a little project to see, well, see it going I, on yeah I, and like i said it's a passion of mine i'd really 
hopefully before I retire see some at least close back to huntable populations like we had. And we will probably never have it like we had it in the 80s, but we should have pockets of huntable birds across Tennessee, uh -huh. you know, hopefully. Yeah. That's yeah. something I've never uh, been able to do is quail hunt, you know. So I think that'd be fun to be able to do that one day. And Right. And it's, you know, since they have declined over the last 30 years, you know, a lot of folks that are less than 30, we've got – college students in wildlife and fishery science that have never heard a quail sing. Mm -hmm. So, you know. I miss that. Too. That's right. Oh, that's right. And I'm I'm probably on the very tail end of of those birds. Again, I'm telling my age, but you know, when I was growing up, it was a common thing to see people bird hunt. And yeah. we did it too. And um and but then since then that that decline has really been drastic and so I do remember when I was a kid and a young teenager that, you know, you could go out and find birds. But uh -huh. now it's a challenge. You mentioned uh, you mentioned grouse earlier. Tell us a little bit about grouse in Tennessee. Well, I'll put you on the spot here. Okay, and grouse and quail are kind of they're different. One's an early; they're both early successional species. But grouse, of course, are a forested bird. Uh -huh. Quail is not; they're old field, um, and. Both are very similar in their decline. I mean, they're just both of those are, are going down a, a range wide. Um, in Tennessee, um, well, range wide too, but it's probably habitat related, loss of habitat. In Tennessee, the range of grouse is mostly on the southern Appalachian chain, mm -hmm. uh, which is owned by the U.S. Forest Service. Uh, grouse populations are all all also on the Cumberland Plateau and up in the Cumberland Mountains, where we have state management areas like Catoosa and North Cumberland. So we've been working now in the very initial stages with the U.S. Forest Service. We have a great partnership with them um, to try to do things to benefit grouse and also with Rough Grouse Society and American Woodcock um, uh, Society, both Partner organizations are working with us. We've met with them. They've come visited some of our areas. So we're hoping, and now that gener uh, interest is being generated more and more for doing some uh, real grass, grouse management in mm -hmm. Tennessee. So hopefully we will get that kick started uh -huh. out off in the near future. So, but it's tough to find birds. I figured they'd be a tough bird to hunt. They are. Um, I'm a grouse hunter, and it's tough. Unfortunately, you have to go out of state if you really mm. want to find a lot of birds, uh -huh. and, and it's just what you have to do right now. And not to say you can't find a few birds here and there in Tennessee. You can still do that, but it, it's hard to stay motivated, put it that way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's another chance to get outside, and, and once you're out there, it, it, yes, it's fun to it be is. outside. It's just fun the, to be in the woods. Right. So. Absolutely. It means a lot yeah. to do that. So you got your boy out there with you, and oh yeah, I know that's fun. He's not been grouse hunting with me. He's been uh, dove hunting a couple times uh, with me, I've and we get out and walk around and shoot his BB gun. So that's fun too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those kids love the BB guns for sure. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> well, Wally, I appreciate it. It's a good show. That's a lot of good information, and uh, I just appreciate what you're doing. And uh, and congratulations on the promotion. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. I appreciate that. Keep yeah. up the good work, Don. Thank you. You bet. You bet. Thanks again. It's been a fun show. Uh, remember tnwildlife.org for all the information uh, around Tennessee wildlife and getting outside. GoOutdoorsTennessee.com is the website to buy your license. Don't forget the e-store. 
shop.goutdoorstennessee.com. All kinds of new stuff on there. Yeah, all kinds of new hats and buffs and keychains and knives and cups. Christmas and... is coming. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> jingle bells, jingle bells. <laughs> all right. Thank you all for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. Stay connected with TWRA by visiting our website at tnwildlife.org. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hey, it's all about Tennessee wildlife. It's what we do. Tennessee Wildcast will be on the air again next week. We'll see you then.